everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. I can't wait. I'm ready. Go Skins. Oh, they're not playing. I forgot. All right. It's going to be a great Sunday, and it's going to be a great Sunday here. Catherine Goulding is with us. She's the business development manager uh, for North America for the Meat and Livestock Australia organization. We had a meal at Gravitas over in Ivy City that these folks put on a couple of weeks ago that was unbelievable. And she's in to talk to us about what they do, how they do it, and why their beef and lamb is so yummy. We're going to hear from her. Mm-hmm. Have you ever gone truffle hunting? Because we have, and it's we fun. We have. But we never found white truffles because you got to dig for those. And uh, those rare, delicious fungi, which is what they are, um, are really the the gourmands, the truffle gourmands' holy grail. Uh, we've got a gentleman coming on who was there when one sold in Philadelphia for $112,000. His name is Mauro Carboni. He's a general manager of Lange Monteferrato. Uh, Roero Tourism Board in Le Langue, which is in the Piedmont region. You're going to be hearing from him all the way from Italia, which is great. I mentioned the Super Bowl. We got the man here. Scott Shaw is a, a principal of the Alexandria Restaurant Group. They own Joe Theismann's, where I just was a couple of days ago, serendipitously. Um, and they're going to be talking about what to eat and where to go, obviously, Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann's for uh, Super Bowl. We're going to hear all about that. And an old friend of ours is in. He was on one of our first shows. Bertrand Chamel has been the executive chef and really the celebrated executive chef at Restaurant 2941 in Northern Virginia since 2012, I think. Is that right? 2008. I mean, most chefs and most restaurants don't last that long, and they don't stay at the top of their game that long. But he has, and he's in here to talk about not just how, you know, how he managed longevity, but what they've got planned for the coming year. Uh, Vienna resident Michael Biddick is here. He's head som and owner of Blend 111. He's a master of Bordeaux wine, a certified French wine scholar. I'm not. He is. Mm. Um, and was trained by the Court of Master Psalms and authored an award-winning book called 43 Wine Regions. He's in to talk about his his uh, cafe, Blend 111, their great wine program. And they also have, he's also a certified barista, right? We're going to be talking about their coffee program, too. We can talk about whatever you want. We're going to. All right. Um, so first we're going to go to Mitch Berliner over at uh, Central Farm Markets because it's a little rainy and snowy out there, but the markets are open and, uh, we don't have snowy? Yeah, it was snowing. We, we looked out the window. Oh, I missed Did we that. not look out the window and see I snow? Missed we it. did. Everybody's nodding. Mitch, are you there? Yeah. Um, first, uh, thanks for having me on yet again. And uh, I don't want to insult you, David. You need glasses. It's no, what, what, I'm, but, I've got uh, witnesses. It was snowing a little. Okay, They're nodding. Well, you can't hear them nodding. White stuff. <laughs> so tell uh, us about the markets. But anyway, it, uh, it drizzled for a few minutes, but it stopped. It's a beautiful day out here. It's Super Bowl Sunday, as everybody knows. And we, Central Farm Markets, the Nova Central Farm Market, and the Bethesda are your Super Bowl headquarters. We've got galore, galore of barbecue today. We've got Sligo Creek Pit Barbecue here in Bethesda, and we got Old Smokey at the Nova Central Farm Market. 
We've got ribs, pulled pork. We've got chicken oh my that God. was marinated for 24 hours, slowly smoked and pulled. We've got ribs. We've got pulled pork. We've got sides of coleslaw, homemade beans. We got charcuterie from the king of charcuterie. <laughs> I know. Apparently, I offended yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. You. Did I touch yeah. a nerve there, man? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you are the king of charcuterie. You are the king. There are multiple kings. There are many kings in this in this kingdom. <laughs> there are many kings. Well, there's the one king who should be dethroned. But anyway. Okay. Um, so anyway, so we've got all the fixings. We've got dips. We've got cakes. We've got bread. So we even have alcohol here in Bethesda. We've got Twin Valley from Rockville, a great distillery. You can go visit them. So we've got, a, again, we are your Super Bowl headquarters. And uh, come on down and visit us. We've got strudel. And, of course, if you want to make your own stuff, we've got the uh, – Great meats from Liberty Delight, Springfield. Right, there's still time to make your chili, the, right? There's still time. That's right. You've made and it fast. For the kids today, we have a real treat in Bethesda. We have a one-week-old baby lamb oh. uh, that's here. Aww. And you can come and pet him. It is really beyond cute. And I asked Sandra from Painted Hand, uh, I said, how soon do they get up and start walking? She said within five minutes. Yeah, they get up right away. They're like a foal. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's tell everybody, incredible. Mitch, where the markets right. are so that are open today and let them get in there and get okay. their stuff Super for the Bowl game. headquarters. Here we are in northern Virginia in the shadows of Tyson's Corner, Nova Central Farm Market on the parking lot of the George C. Marshall High School in Falls Church and in downtown Bethesda. Great. Our 13th year we're in at Bethesda Elementary School. So... Go whoever you root. All right. Thanks, Mitch. <laughs> Thanks, Thank Mitch. You. All right, Michael Biddick, step up to the plate here. Blend 111. Tell us a little bit about you and your your baby there. Sure. So we've been uh, open for about nine months now, and we focus on sustainable and uh, organic products. And Let's that, tell everybody where you are. Yes, yeah, so we're in Northern Virginia and Vienna, mm-hmm. Virginia, in the old, uh, old town of Vienna. Okay. And tell us about the concept. So we really wanted to create something very different in Northern Virginia, a place mm-hmm. where people could go and uh, really try new things and kind of think a little bit outside of the box. So we tried to kind of push the envelope a little bit with unique wines, unique foods, uh, unique presentations of some of the plates that we're Well, doing. let's talk about your background a little bit because you're sort of an expert you're, you're, in everything. You're a renaissance <laughs> man when right. it comes to potables. Right? Like <laughs> you're really into coffee. You have your master's in wine. So... Sure. Liquids, liquids seem to be your thing. Yeah, I like liquids. So it's, yeah. uh, I think, you know, for me, it's such a huge space to really master the, you know, wines and coffee. It's, it's really a journey. It's never an end state. So it's mm-hmm. really, a, I think, a challenge. And just being able to share some of that and expose some of our guests to that journey, I think people really appreciate. Okay. And so where does the food layer in on that? So would you consider this place a wine bar, a coffee so bar, a restaurant? So it's definitely a full restaurant. Yeah. Okay. We have an amazing uh, chef, uh, amazing kitchen team. We're doing mm-hmm. really incredible plates. So we kind of say it's upscale, casual, bistro-style dining with uh, you know really amazing natural wines. And you're open breakfast, lunch, dinner? 
Uh, we do brunch, brunch and then lunch and dinner. Okay, and then lunch and dinner. And let's talk a little bit about your wine program. What are we starting with today? Yeah, so we're starting with uh, one of our champagnes. It's actually mm-hmm. a, a part of the grower movement in champagne. So mm-hmm. away from this, you know, factory industrialized wine to something that's really we're familiar with expressing it. the earth. So mm-hmm. we have a Vincent Couche Elegance. Uh, grapes are from 2010, 2011. This is a non-vintage that we're going to be pouring. Excellent. Well, why don't you pop that? And while you're getting that going, let's we'll get that get... right into the mic. Right. So please. we can celebrate. Let's go to our first guest. All right. Well, Catherine Goulding. Catherine was our 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 hostess and our our, our knowledge leader. Our 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 what were you? Our our SME, you know, <laughs> our subject matter expert at this beef and lamb dinner. Um, uh, everything Aussie from Australia, Aussie beef and lamb. Right. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about the organization and your role there first? Mm-hmm. Sure thing. Yeah. So, Meat and Livestock Australia is an organization that represents uh, Aussie uh, beef and sheep ranches. Uh, basically, we look after everything from paddock to plate. Uh, research all the way from farm gate through to your plate on the table. And then we also have marketing efforts around the world. So, but let's talk a little bit about the history of beef and lamb in Australia and the sort of push, as it were, to get it off the Australia and into other people's hands. How did that sort of come to be? Well, if you take the population of the US and Australia, we're 300 million people less. We have about the same. <laughs> we have about the same land size, though, and right. um, you know, we from our from our first roots in in the country, mm-hmm. um, we brought cattle and sheep over from the old country. Mm-hmm. Um, Had to feed all those prisoners, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now, I mean, it's it's what we do. It's a, a big part of our economy. Mm-hmm. We produce way more than we can actually eat, and so therefore, we're taking it off around but- the globe. What's interesting, um, and we did learn this at that dinner, is that there is um, an incredible dedication to sustainability. And Australia was really on the forefront of that when it came to farming techniques. What What is that? Well, uh, Nikki, the, the really exciting thing I think that the industry has undertaken is it's made a commitment to be carbon neutral by 2030. Mm-hmm. And it's well on its way to actually achieving that already. Well, we were right. talking about that uh, before the show because one of the great contributors to issues in the atmosphere are cow and sheep burps. I thought it came from the other end. I but thought it, comes, it came from the other end, It too. doesn't. It doesn't. It's burps. <laughs> the burps. And these guys have figured out how to use DNA to really sort of, I don't know, what do you, direct, mastermind the kinds of cows and sheep that are raised, right? Right. So the scientists have been able to identify the genetics of animals that actually burp less. So low burping means... Um, it's really burping? It is really... It's not gas? Uh, it's both, but okay. the majority of it actually is burping, Nikki. Okay, thank you. I said cow farts, and she said, uh, actually, it comes from the other end. So. Yeah, okay, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And so um, what? how do you, as sort of this ambassador here, educate the American community on the beef and lamb coming out of Australia? Like, what are the key points, and how do you educate people? Right. So I think one of the key things in the U.S. is that the beef that we're bringing over to the U.S. is largely grass-fed and finished beef. Mm-hmm. Um, almost all of what we send here is that uh, program, because that's mostly what we do in Australia. Right. Um, so really, what we talk about there, the key points of difference for us are that it is grass-fed and finished, it's graded, it's something that, you know, is difficult to do under a USDA program, but mm-hmm. we, with the USDA, actually developed a newer version of that. 
Um, and so we're able to get a really good, consistent, delicious product every right. time you eat it. And this is both for lamb and beef? Correct. Yeah, both for lamb and beef. Okay. So, well, Go let ahead. me ask, uh, I mean, for cooking your lamb and beef versus cooking, you know, whatever comes from anywhere yeah. else, mm-hmm. are there are there special cooking techniques or is it pretty much the same well, grass-fed meats in general have to be treated <coughs> differently because it's a different mm-hmm. amount of fat. They do. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, you would normally cook a grass-fed product a little less than you would cook right. something that has, you know, a bit of fat to protect its uh, its the muscle fake fat. in there. Fake fat. <laughs> I don't know if it's fake fat, but it's. Uh, that's what um, I have around my middle. <laughs> I know. I know. <coughs> Excuse me. I wore it today. Yeah, about thirty percent less though. Okay. As a rule of thumb. So how do you all work with the sustainability within Australia? Like, are there accreditations that farmers have to get? Like, how do farmers join you and, and, and sort of live by the bylaws, so to speak? So there's a whole there's a whole range of different mechanisms that mm-hmm. um, producers back home actually work within, and um, it's everything from their farm management systems, so how they treat their land and their natural resources, and there's collection points for that. All of this at this point is voluntary. Mm-hmm. So the industry has voluntarily made this commitment, and so they're voluntarily offering up all of the information to help track that. I, I want to know if people in Australia actually say, good day, mate, and okay. did That's a dingo eat your baby? Okay. Uh, <laughs> we do say good day, mate, but no, not the not other, the other <laughs> one. Um, let's also talk about, you know what, why don't we take a break now, and then when we come back, I, I mean, we would really – be inappropriate if we didn't talk about the fires in Australia and what's sure. happening there and how does that affect the farming industry? Yeah, no um, problem. Right now. Okay, great. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We're talking Aussie beef and lamb. We'll be back in just a sec. On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind. Ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. We leave no warrior behind. Wounded Warrior Project is a nonprofit organization created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war. Whether those scars are physical or mental, we're here to make sure that they heal. And whether it's helping those with post-traumatic stress disorder live a normal life again, or giving much-needed support to injured warriors and veterans' hospitals, because no one deserves our help more than the men and women who risk their lives to keep us safe. Wounded Warrior Project. We never leave a fallen warrior behind. Ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org. New message. This is a scam. Thieves are misusing the Social Security Administration's authority and phone schemes to trick you into giving them money or personal information. They state there is a problem with your Social Security number or account. They claim there's been suspicious or fraudulent activity and you could be arrested or face other legal action. They even spoof SSA's main customer service telephone number on caller ID. Don't believe them. Don't provide any information. SSA employees will never threaten you for information or promise benefits in exchange for information. In those cases, the call is fraudulent. Just hang up. If you suspect you've been contacted by an SSA scammer, call the Social Security Fraud Hotline at 1-800-269-0271. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. This is a 
fascinating show. Catherine Goulding's with us. Uh, she's with, uh, uh, I, I want to say this right, she's the business development manager for North America for Meat and Livestock Australia. Did I do it right? You did. Perfect. Man. Okay, so before we um, took the commercial break, we were talking about, I wanted to talk about the fires. So what is happening right now in Australia? Like where, what's the status? Where is everything? There's so much news out there right now. I feel like it's getting lost. And how's it impacting your business? Yeah, exactly. Sure. So look, I mean, these are unprecedented fires in Australia and they're, as as you've seen in the news here, they're they're devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, from from an Australian perspective, you know it's it's over sixteen million um, acres of land that's been lost. I mean, it's basically the equivalent of West Virginia that's been burned. It's just overwhelming. Um, the 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 biggest losses have actually been to our native wildlife and national mm-hmm. parks. Okay. Um, from our industry's perspective, um, it hasn't been as impacted as badly as all that. Okay. Um, our farmers are used to managing for fire. Mm-hmm. This is a little outside the scope of what they're used to. Sure. Um, it just sounds so, it's like a behemoth. It's it so is. overwhelming. It is. And their fires are still burning. I mean, our fire right. season is January, February. It started in September. Right. Um, I have like chills all over my body. Yeah, it's, it's so upsetting. It is. Very upsetting. Yeah. Um, from our industry perspective, though, and what has been a big impact on the, the, the extent of these fires has been the drought. Mm-hmm. So the drought in Australia has been extensive over right, the last few if, years. If they're grass-fed. Right. <laughs> it's the grass growing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it recovers quickly, though. That's right. the that's the beauty of grasslands, right? Mm-hmm. It does recover relatively quickly as long as we get rain. <laughs> yeah. Right. Obviously. Yeah. Um, so what can, is there, is there any Aussie Beef and Land sort of initiative with this for people to donate or anything like that? Do you guys, are you guys involved in anything? We don't. We're supporting any chefs that are getting involved with, you know, materials and we'll help put them in touch with, um, mm-hmm. you know, suppliers that will directly um, provide those products to help okay. support those causes. And are, before we wrap up here, are there any um, chefs locally that you're working with that you want to sort of be like, yes, they serve our product. Go check them out. <laughs> yeah, so Johnny Spiro at Reverie. Oh, sure. Uh, um, Beef or lamb? Lamb. Lamb, okay. Um, uh, Nicholas Tang at DBGB, mm-hmm. lamb again. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the ones I think of at the top of my head. <laughs> okay, great. All right, well, thank you so much for coming in. Um, we had a wonderful time at that event, and uh, we learned so much about the products that you guys are bringing into the country. Well, why don't we give you a website, too, because there's a lot of info on the web. Mm-hmm. I would love that. It's uh, trueaussiebeefandlamb.com. Excellent. Okay. All right. Thanks, Thank Catherine. you. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Catherine. All right. Okay, so, so normally we would go back to the wine segment, but because we have We a have guest. a visitor from Italy on the phone. Mauro, are you there? Hi, I'm from Italy. How are you? Benvenuto, foodie and the beast. All right. So Mauro Carbone is general manager of the Lange Monferrato Roero Tourism Board. He's director of the National Center for Truffle Studies, and he is a truffle man uh, uh, through and through. And Mauro, I introduced you. You weren't on the phone at that point, but I mentioned that in 2018 you were at that event in Philadelphia where a white truffle sold for $112,000. What makes white truffles so valuable? Uh, the truffle is uh, so valuable because uh, it's a very particular mushroom. We can't uh, cultivate it. We have a few mushrooms, and they have a very, very particular and strong smell. Every truffle is different from every other. If you come uh, to our region and you go on our uh, market or in our shops, 
you can smell uh, many, many different uh, truffles and you can buy your unique truffle. You will have a fantastic emotion, a terrific emotion uh, when you will uh, slice it uh, on uh, rice, on a pasta, on eggs and uh, it will be an, a unique emotion that you can have uh, only you because you have uh, a very particular piece of truffle. Well, and the reason of the value for uh, for all over the world. Well, I would say to that, Capito. But my another question is why you, the Lelange region is in Piedmont, Piemonte, uh, in northern Italy, yes. and Alba is sort of the the right, the, the center of mm-hmm. white truffles in right tr- white truffle discovery, if you will, in in Italy. Why Alba? What's happening in the soil there? Um, be, uh, because I know black truffles grow in the roots of what kind of trees are those? Um, hazelnut. Hazelnut trees. Uh, we, are, we, pro- we produce also black truffles, but black truffles are very common. They can be cultivated, so they are cultivated all over the world. Mm. But the white ones can be only uh, pick up. Uh, you can, if the dog digs and find the truffle, you are very lucky, but you can't cultivate them. You can have only uh, what the nature decides to produce. And in our region, we produce uh, many truffles, uh, and it's a very good reason for the climate, for the uh, soil, and also, I think, for the culture of the people. Uh, just uh, a few years ago, in Sunday's festival in uh, uh, Salt Lake City, in USA, uh, there was a documentary about uh, the truffle hunters, because the truffle hunters are very particular people that you can discover only if you come to us, and they are the person that go all around the, the wood in the night because there is a problem of privacy. It's very secret uh, where you can find truffle. It's very important that nobody knows it because everybody can go everywhere uh, to to search truffle. Yeah, it's like so, finding it's like uh, finding gold. Truffle hunters go only in the night, of course. Right. Well, so what is it about uh, the growing area for the truffles? Like the black truffles supposedly do better among. Hazelnut trees, do the white mm-hmm. truffles do better in, in certain soils? You know, is there certain things that people are growing around them to create them, to help uh, to help them, not create uh, yeah, them, the, obviously? The, the white truffle can grow near hazelnut, but also uh, oak. The most important of the production is in oak mm-hmm. region, uh, near the oak uh, plant. Uh, in uh, soil uh, humid, it's very important uh, the, the humidity, mm-hmm. and it's very important that uh, the climate is uh, cold. So the best mm-hmm. of the season is in uh, November, December, because it's perfect for humidity and for the uh, temperature. And how do you want to? No, it's okay. Um, how do they train the dogs? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the dog is uh, free in uh, in the. Uh, uh, in the in, in the wood during the night, he can go everywhere. Uh, he searches truffle only if he wants. So it's very important that there is a, a very very strong feeling be- between the man, the truffle hunter, and his dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not possible to go around uh, with the wood with the dog if he wants to go away. He, he can't do it, of course. Uh, and so it's uh, very important that there is a very strong feeling. Uh, imagine that uh, a truffle hunter go out from from our room, from our house, 
at 10, 11 in the night and they come back only at 7, 8 in the morning. All the night in the rain, in the fog, in the dark because there is no light even if somebody can, can see you. Uh, and so it's very important that uh, the dog is uh, uh, a real friend uh, of that man and they go away to have uh, they discover after uh, many hours of searching of one truffle. So do they do it at night so nobody can see them? Yes. So nobody else can see it? Yeah, Why do they areas. go at night? It's, it's very important that nobody can see yeah. you because uh, the there secret, is not the, the private secret. property in the truffle. Everybody can go everywhere. Got it. Uh, you, you can go in the soil of, of other people, other people. Uh, but if you pick only the truffle, you can go mm, inside right. and go away. So, it's very um, important that you know which are the, the, the trees that can produce truffle and you don't say it to nobody. Got it. So what, what is the taste difference between a black truffle and a white truffle? Why are wh- White truffles are harder to get to because you got to dig. But what is the taste yeah, difference? You dig for the black ones, too. Not, no, you got to dig deep for the white ones, the okay. big white ones. So why? what is the taste uh, difference? Yes, white and black, uh, for the biology, they are very similar. They are mushroom uh, tuber, very, very similar. But they are very different for the cooking. Uh, usually, we meet uh, the truffle uh, uh, on the dish, of, of course. Uh, and the black truffle are normal ingredients. They are a very particular type of mushroom, but they are cooked. Uh, They are a normal ingredient during making the dish. The white truffle is uh, a spice. Mm -hmm. It's like a spice. A few grams, seven, eight grams are enough uh, because a normal dish uh, adds for example, or white pasta with butter, uh, becomes a very fantastic, terrific uh, dish. Uh, that's the difference. If you have the back truffle, you can uh, cook them. And so it's a problem with the chef. Good chef and good dish. You're making, you're making us... But the white ones, you have a very, very particular joker <laughs> to play right. uh, during uh, your game. You're, you're making us salivate. So... Let's go back to this event in Philadelphia where the white truffle sold for $112,000. Mm-hmm. Like, How often are those auctions held? And if we really wanted to go and sit yeah. on the sidelines, because I don't have 112000 yeah, uh, I got the, a kid in college, yeah, so I won't be yeah, buying the, a white truffle. Yeah. But um, where, do, where do we go to get that kind of information? Do we go to your website or somewhere else? Yes, if you go on our uh, website, uh, it is tuber, T-U-B, er.it, I think. Uh, you, you can uh, know everything about uh, the truffle, and uh, you can uh, find also our uh, uh, mail address uh, to have uh, any information about it, uh, about the auction that is every year in the second Sunday of November, but also everything about uh, the very particular world uh, of the truffle. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much. We're going to come visit you in Piemonte soon. That's, yes. Uh, uh, we wait for you. We, we wait for you. My friend, we are Italophiles. <laughs> allora, grazie mille. Now. Okay, ciao, ciao. All right, ciao, ci ciao. Vediamo, ciao. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we're going to think about all the truffles that we're not eating, but then we're getting ready for some football. We'll be back in just a sec.
Wesley is a truck driver. I drive a truck and I love what I do. A truck driver with IRS troubles. They told me I owed them $43,000. It got really bad. <laughs> Quite a few letters in the mail. They were talking uh, about wage garnishment, coming after my house, my car. Yeah, they, they don't play around. I seriously thought that I was going to lose everything. One sleepless night, Wesley finally made a call to Optima Tax Relief at 2 a.m. Kind of figured I'd get a machine, but I didn't. I actually got to talk to an actual person in the middle of the night. <laughs> he found just what he was looking for. Oh, they were great people. You need a team of people that know what they're doing. Optima Tax, they know what they're doing. Optima Tax Relief came through with flying colors. I saved an incredible amount of money. Happy, don't even come close. I was absolutely overjoyed. Take Wesley's advice. If you're in any kind of trouble with the IRS, call Optima Tax Relief. Don't trust anybody else. Call Optima for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. What is the greatest gift you can give the world? The gift of hope. Trees for the Future has a sustainable solution to hunger, poverty, and bettering the planet. Through Trees for the Future's regenerative agricultural method, the Forest Garden Approach, they teach impoverished farmers in developing countries how to plant themselves out of poverty by creating thriving ecosystems made up of over 60 species of trees and over 30 varieties of fruits and vegetables. Farmers can maximize crop yields to provide consistent income and nutrition for their families. In the last 30 years, tens of millions of trees have been planted and thousands of farmers have successfully revitalized their degraded land. When you give, you give hope for our planet and its people. Find out how to plant seeds of hope this season at trees.org radio. That's trees.org radio. A tree can change a life. All right, we're back on Fooding the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Let's go back to uh, Michael Biddick and uh, Blend 111. You are reputed to have an amazing wine program. Tell us a little bit about it and why you selected what well, you did. Well, and I mean, and this uh, bubbly was an excellent. Yeah, this champagne was uh, just great. You know, way of showcasing it. Thanks. Yeah. So I think one of the most unique things is actually I go and visit the vineyards. So I'm really trying to select wines in country and I mean, looking we for. We would come with you. It you sounds needed, more like... fun than it actually is. It's no, actually no, 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 no. It is more fun. Is... Don't pretend that it's no, not it's fun. Really it is more fun. We know it's fun. We yes. know it's fun. Don't pretend it's. Boy, not. are you jaded? Yeah, yeah. man, <laughs> I am. So, but it's uh, it's interesting to find producers that really have no visibility in the U.S. market. Uh, mm-hmm. So, when we find really quality producers that are really well known in their communes, in their towns, I love to work with importers to bring those wines over. So, but are you looking at specific regions? Like, are you looking at untapped regions, like the Georgia yeah, region, great or like do you know I mean, what are you I mean? Going you're going to Bulgaria. Like you're going to Italy. So we're Where are you going? Two places: France and Spain. That's okay, it. Okay, so you're. Oh, it's wow. very focused. So okay. we we have no other wine Just outside as a of particular, France. Because I really like going to those like. two places. Okay, yeah. right. That makes sense. I mean, I Excuse would, me, I would throw we, Italy in there. Yeah, but. yeah. You should throw Italy in there. You only have so much time, though. I'd love to throw Italy. That's not an excuse. Then I need some help. Then I'm going to recruit you guys. Okay, we're in. We're in. He speaks Italian, so we're in good shape. Let's go. So what uh, what are we pouring next? So we're actually use, uh, going after, we pair this with our bouillabaisse. Uh, it's a Coster de Seg uh, near Zaragoza in Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cervales is the wine. It's a mix of uh, Albarino, Chardonnay, and Macabeo. Just very quickly, since you go for wines that people may not be familiar with, how do you go about educating your team for the uninitiated in wine? Like, so, I'm a wine adventurer. Yeah, right. Like, you can pour me anything. I'll be yep. like, I'll try it. Yep. But Except for, a Riesling. Except a Riesling. I hate Riesling. <laughs> I have an amazing Riesling. You no, 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 no. Please. Don't try. If I say I don't like it, just say, okay, I got something else for you. I'm very persistent. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. I've dealt with a lot of you. 
<laughs> and uh, it hasn't gone well. So um, anyway, I'll back but, off now. Um, <laughs> But so what's the education process for yeah, your team? Yeah, so we so we do provide, I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, tastings, things that everyone does at all the restaurants. But we really tried to organize, I tried to organize the menu in a different way by flavor profile. Uh-huh. So I try to look for common flavor profiles that every, so we have like something called like Cabernet Freaks. So if you love Cabernet Sauvignon, we have a bunch of wines that you'll probably like, even though they may not be Cabernets, Got 100%. It. Okay, great. Why don't you put that next wine? Yep. All right, and let's. We're talking Super Bowl we're talking in uh, about seven hours, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scott Shaw's in here. He's one of the. Uh, he is the a founding or the founding. One of the two. One of three partners. One yeah, of three wait, partners. When did we meet originally? We met. We met I, a long time ago. We met when I was uh, running a company called Fishbowl. Right. And but did we bring you in studio? No, no. Because you were doing something new. And- at Fishbowl, like some, it was some sort of blast we were, system. Like I can't remember, yeah. I can't remember why we got together. Different we, interview. <laughs> I know, yeah. but we did get together. Okay, yeah. so we've known, we, we go way back. Yeah. Uh-huh. Great, but then when did you decide to get into the restaurants? Well, I was all, I was always in restaurants. Okay. Like most people, from the time I was fourteen, I took a break, uh-huh. um, seventeen years ago to start a restaurant marketing software company. Mm-hmm. And when I sold that, I. Decided Scott 3.0 would look a lot like Scott 1.0. Okay, I, I like cause, that. Because I love restaurants. Right. Um, and with my partners, had to, kind of had two restaurants at that point. And then uh, and Alexandria Restaurant Partners just went on a bit of a kind of an opportunistic deal spree. And like in Alexandria. Well, like yeah, every in a restaurant. couple places. Why don't you talk about the restaurants aside from Thysma's that you own? Yeah. So we, um, we're the definition of hyper-local. So we have eight restaurants and uh, six of them are in a single zip code. And I can walk to most of them from my house. There uh, was a Mia's Pizza near us in Bethesda. Is that, no, no, no. That's not ours. Right. We're Mia's, Pizza. Mia's Italian Kitchen. Right, so, okay. and that was Melissa Bollinger. Totally yeah, separate. so we okay. recently, a uh, uh, year and a half ago, took over the famous Curse location at 100 King Street. Seven or eight uh, yeah. restaurants had cycled in and oh, out. Oh, that's of, on the corner. On the corner. The I most know. iconic, beautiful building in all of Old Town. But Is it's, that an near omen. it's like an I call it an omen space. Well, if you could see the sales, you would say we've Good. maybe, maybe uh, broke the it. curse. Maybe we've broken the curse. Is that near curse. Landini? Uh, kind of across the street yeah, on okay. the corner. So, yeah, we just, I mean, we love operating in Al- Alexandria. Well, plus you have like a restaurant in every corner there. Yeah, that helps, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait a minute. Like... And Majestic is yours. So Majestic is right ours. Uh, we used to run Virtue. We don't right. anymore. That was a management contract. But Volta, is it Volta? What's Vola's Dockside Vola's, Grill right is, on a, the water. is across mm-hmm. the corner. And we're re- really excited. We just, we start construction in about six weeks on um, Robinson Landing. Um, oh, that's that new property, right? It's a beautiful new mm. property, and we'll actually be doing two restaurants there, one out on the pier mm-hmm. and one a wood-fired steak and seafood. So, All right. Wow. We stay busy. Now you let's just... talk Super Bowl, baby. Yeah. Well, no, and let's talk about Theismann's. How yeah. did you guys get in on that deal? Because so, that's been there for a long time. Yeah, we love Theismann's. It's been there since 19, 1986, mm-hmm. and um, the uh, Joe's original business partner decided he wanted to retire to Florida, and the former— Me too. Well, not Florida. What, Florida? I just want to retire. I'd no. uh, <laughs> rather not retire. The uh, former mayor of, uh, mayor of Alexandria, Bill Yule, called me and said, Hey, Scott, you know, Vern wants to kind of retire. Would you be interested in Theismann's? I said, absolutely. I mean, we love iconic local restaurants. That's mm-hmm. what we do. Mm-hmm. And then sort of figure out how do you keep them relevant and— Sort of, you know, strength. Evolving. Them. How yeah, do you evolve? Right. right? That's, that's our whole thing. You've got to constantly evolve restaurants or else you have to do a radical shift. And that's never a good thing. So we met um, with the seller and we spent a lot of time with Joe um, mm-hmm. uh, because we told him we didn't want to do this restaurant unless he, he wanted to stay involved and he had to get to know us. And 
Um, I put him in touch with the original family that owned the Majestic since 1949. Cool. And they said, yeah, these guys have done a great job of kind of, you know, caretaking the heritage of the Majestic. I think they would do the same for you. And so uh, he signed up for it. And um, I was about just over a year and change ago. And mm-hmm. last year was a, was a big year. I mean, we spent a great deal of money doing a top-to-bottom renovation of the restaurant because it hadn't been invested in in a long, long time. Okay, and like, did that also mean <coughs> investing in the menu? Yeah, invest, like, yeah. So yeah. you have people who love that restaurant. And that's a challenge, right? right? So, like, yeah, it's uh-huh. really hard to take care exactly. of both, right? Yeah, it, it, it is. And, uh, so, yeah, but the menu's still people-friendly. I mean, I, I told Scott I was in there at just pure serendipity yeah. uh, uh, like last Tuesday, and um, – First thing I noticed when I walked in, because it had been a while since I was there, was that the, I mean, it looks great. It looks beautiful. And yeah. the menu is still, I mean, Nikki is a, has a more refined palate. No, I'm, don't say that. I'm with That's, you. you do. No, no, no. <laughs> no Let no, me no, be but, very clear. I don't have a refined palate. I have good taste. There's a big difference. Are you implying that no, I don't no, have no, good no, taste? No, so I, I'm an arbitrate between the two of you. Going back 30 years when I had a chance mm-hmm. to work with Rob Wilder and Ann Cashin mm-hmm. on the original Austin Girl, yeah. I watched them as they said, what if we just took... Classic Tex-Mex, and we really elevated, just elevated it. it. Simple dishes right. done perfectly. Well, that's mm-hmm. what I was. Yeah, these exactly. are simple dishes. I read exactly. the whole menu. Yeah, and it's yeah spot on for me. Yeah. Now they're not so simple to execute because if you're really doing it right, right. Things like our pastrami, we're now making that in house, and the steak. You're going program. the extra step. Yeah, but yeah. the two guys next to me, they were two Old dudes time. older than Regulars. I am, yeah. who were litigating the impeachment thing, but they both, one ordered, I can't, he, it looked like a Reuben or something, and the other ordered yeah. a hamburger. Yeah. And that hamburger looked and smelled, he was sitting right next to me. Yeah. It was like, well, well. let's talk about like what you brought in today. Yeah, well, just to close on the hamburger though, but we now bring in our own prime chuck and we grind it fresh every day. Is it from so it's Australia? A but, <laughs> I know, i got to talk. It <laughs> better be, mate, or a dingo will eat your I mean, baby. that's sort of how it goes on this show in case but, you don't uh, know. Yeah, so some of the things we we, we brought in today kind of uh, uh, sort of echo this theme. So one of our favorites here are these little Cuban sliders, mm-hmm. which are uh, capicola um, uh, and sort of a house-cured pork mojo mm-hmm. um, with pickles and mustards, a little, little bit of salami layered in. So it's a beautiful little good. Cuban Cuban you guys, slider. Yeah, everybody yeah, please. Got, the food is here, here, but everybody must I have in. not put my face on anything that isn't already <sighs> in my stomach, so come over here. And then our steak skewers, and i got to hide again from Catherine, but this is sort of 50-day aged Nebraska prime sirloin. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's just a simple, shareable dish, but we marinated for 24 hours in a wonderful mix of Well, so let me spices. ask you a question. Given that the restaurant is was was 30 years old, right, how do you change Older with I, yeah. yeah? So how do we change with not just America's Americans changing tastes because we're more worldly in how yeah. we eat, but our style of eating, right? Yeah. So like appetizer, entree, dessert. Yeah. Not that that still doesn't exist. Great question. But like yeah. people, especially in a restaurant like that, like people want to come in, they want to like snack, right? That's like right. Yeah. they want to share things. Um, not necessarily small plates. It's a term I really don't understand, but. They want to share stuff. They want to snack yeah. and eat together and then maybe have an entree. How do you create yeah. a menu like that? Well, one of the things you'll see in, in this restaurant and in a lot of our restaurants is beefing up, whether you call it the appetizer, starter, small plates section, more and more people are going there first and right. stopping there. A group of four people. No, it's a bill problem. Yeah. Uh, and so, <laughs> yeah, so we built up that left side of the menu mm-hmm. and really focused on how do you create sort of 
chef quality shareable dishes like mm-hmm. the steak skewers, like these sliders. I'm going to call time because okay. we're almost out of time yeah. with you, and I want to talk Super Bowl because okay. people can can they still get a reservation? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, okay. talk Come about what. In. I mean, is there a uh, a special today? There is. I remember seeing. There is. That. We've got kind of a bottomless appetizers going on uh, today in the restaurant that people might like. Um, but one of the biggest things we did when we renovated the Eisman's, we doubled the size of the bar. So it is a beautiful giant island bar. We took the best bar in Old Town, doubled it in size, and have the same team of uh, bartenders that have been there for 20 and even 30 years. All right. So where do we go to make reservations for today? Uh, uh, just check out our website or open table uh, <laughs> or give us a call. Okay, All right. You got a prediction Eisman. real quick? Um, do you care? No. I'm kind of with you. I sort of, I was hoping for the Redskins, but. It's okay. always next All season. of you people need to like <laughs> get over it. Like move on. <laughs> Relax. It's not, yeah. not going to happen. 34 24, Kansas City. Let's That's move my on. prediction. Okay. I'll go with All that. right. Thank God bless. Thanks, Thank Scott. You. Thank you for bringing it up. All right. And let us beautiful. turn to our friend Bertrand Schemmel, who is okay. one of the great chefs in the city, who's one of the Wait, very. You didn't want to go back. No, no. We go to Michael. Went? We go to Michael in a couple of minutes. Okay. We got the whole Sorry, tail end of the show. Okay. All right. I mean, the fact that you've been there 12 years and the restaurant has been there 18 years are two, in a way, almost anomalies because restaurants <laughs> don't last that long and chefs don't usually stay in place But you've also really evolved that restaurant because when that restaurant opened, it was strictly fine dining. And you've really changed that. I mean, made it for could... the normal people like me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, I think um, everything changed over the past you know, 10, 15 years. It's... Uh, the way people eat, the the economy. Well, so, the, the the amount of restaurants that are available to people. The amount of restaurants. I mean, I mean Trier 41 was the only one in in Full Church, Tyson's, Northern Virginia, right. 15 years ago, 18 mm-hmm. years ago. I mean, look at what these people are doing, right? So, ARP, they're opening up restaurants all over the place. So I think it's, you know, more and more town centers surrounding us. And uh, I think you have to uh, redefine yourself mm-hmm. uh, every couple of years and... Uh, I think it's uh, re-involving the menu, the way you uh, interact with your guests. Uh, you know, I always say to my staff, it's uh, something that it's free. It's always be kind to the guest mm-hmm. and be kind to your staff. Well, well, how do you find with what you're... Let's talk about sort of the status of the restaurant now. Let's talk a little bit about the menu, the kinds of things you're doing. Because I do believe that most people think of you as this like... Fine dining. Um, well, you're in a beautiful special, building. You know, it's a beautiful restaurant. Yeah. It's, really, it's really hard to break uh, who we were and where we're going because mm-hmm. it's uh, with beautiful landscaping, uh, office building, overlooking a lake. We're having With the koi a, pond. You have the yeah, koi and pond. we're having a valley. Koi is a special this week, you. I'm sure. <laughs> so the impression of fine dining and uh, is there. But, uh, you know, we have... Uh, very, uh, very nice uh, lunches, you know, under $25, three-course meal. Uh, you sound like you might be French. <laughs> yeah, a little saying. bit. It's um, an international show today. Yeah, but dinner, we do offer uh, a diversity. We're having uh, a lot of, lot of small bite at the bar. We're having tasting menu. So we really offer to the guests to choose what direction they want to go. They mm-hmm. want to go... They're more upscale. They want to go more casual. And I think that's what we wanted to uh, to achieve. Over well, the years. I want to take a quick break. But when we come back, I mean, you brought in some beautiful taste for us to have in studio. And I want to discuss what you brought in. And then your 
doing your own chocolates and you're doing your own wine. I mean, we have a lot to get into. This is David and Nikki Nellis. We're Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The Library of Congress Veterans History Project is home to more than 100,000 stories of those who have served our nation. It's a treasure filled with the thoughts and emotions of the people who were on the front lines of history. You too can make history. Interview the veteran in your life and or submit original photos and documents. VHP has the materials you need to provide an accurate and personal view of history. Please visit www.loc.gov vets for more information. The Veterans History Project. It's the story of our lives. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. This is a world of possibilities. A world in which people who put their minds to something can really make a difference. My goal is to help the environment. Someday I'll find a cure for cancer. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we believe that aspiring minds can achieve anything. So we dedicate ourselves to making sure everyone has an opportunity to go to college. Each year, we provide more than $150 billion in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about Money for College at studentaid.gov. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Uh, before we get back to the show, I just want to thank our sponsors. He didn't even wait to, like, I'm to we were on air before just... he could dig into Patron's dessert. Right, because I'm a gluton, as we say. <laughs> now, hold on. Got to thank Mirabelle, Ottoman Taverna, mm. uh, Alba Osteria, Al Dente, the fabulous new... Uh, Brasserie uh, Liberté. Brasserie Liberté. Profish, great sustainable seafood. The Ivy City Smokehouse, Meat Crafters, terrific charcuterie and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mitch. And Central Farm <laughs> He's Market. He's the king of charcuterie. Yeah, he got upset because we referred to Nate he Anda. He the king of charcuterie. Yeah, they're all kings as far Everybody's as I'm Everybody's a king. So, yeah, I didn't wait because it looked good. And um, why wait? Right. I'm supposed Uh, to wait till 12, eating between 12 and 8. This dessert is nuts. Okay, so let's talk about the kind of food that you're serving now at 2941. Talk about this dessert. So we're going to have like, um, you know, we're always involving. So we're changing our tasting menu um, every month. Mm -hmm. Next month, actually, since you talk about truffle, uh, we're doing something very special. Mm -hmm. The whole month of Mars, we're doing a uh, black truffle tasting menu. Mm -hmm. And... uh, very affordable price, starting at a four course for $75. That's very affordable. And uh, we kind of like really want to push and introduce uh, black truffle uh, in Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. So we're doing also... Where a, are the truffles from? So we have a Primera from uh, Maison Plantin. Mm-hmm. And then we also have uh, from Northern Spain. Mm. So uh, Do you need anyone to go over there and hunt them for you, my friend? We don't hunt them. We just, you know, oh, no, he's like, pick we them right them, from the box. Right. And put on my <laughs> Indiana Jones hat and go hunt truffles for you. Um, you got to pick right and, you know. But for you, like when it comes to truffles, because there are people who don't understand 
truffles, right? Because some truffles don't really, it's more about the scent and the aroma. Correct. Right? Some people sometimes don't like, you know, it's, it has that like, like fragrance that when you cook it, uh, it goes very well with uh, game meat, red mm-hmm. meat. Uh, you know, you have a really big difference between white and black truffle. White is usually uh, better shaved, mm-hmm. not cooked. Uh, the black, actually, the more you cook it, it, That's it really That's what the Italian really guy is, said, you know. Yeah. That, right? yeah. There really is a lot of fragrance, so um, make a big difference. But they're also, I mean, just they're more rare, too, right? They're because you got to dig so deep for them. Okay, but, so... Let's talk about the chocolates. So, you know, we're getting close to uh, Valentine's, yes. uh, Easter, Mother's Day. So uh, we're launching our, uh, at 2141 our uh, homemade chocolate Fabulous. that you can purchase soon uh, on our website or at the restaurant, mm-hmm. as well as uh, our uh, Cabernet uh, from Napa. Uh, we're going to have our uh, own label. So uh, that's so exciting. We yeah, we're very proud to actually uh, be able to uh, to put a uh, a very nice uh, American cab on our wine list uh, that we got from a uh, unknown uh-huh. uh, secretly. Uh, right, you're like okay, we're not winery. Well, so I don't know if you Wait. you couldn't hear our travel conversation, but he was basically telling us that like they go hunting at night, so you can't find where they get their travels. Exactly. So well, in you that know, vein. You, you, it's some information you can't, you know, you can't disclose. But right. they dig uh, up the truffles and then they bury the people that are spying on them. <laughs> right. Same thing for the wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we found uh, something that uh, it's uh, it's going to be a great add to uh, to our wine list and to also offer our guests a hundred uh, percent Cabernet Sauvignon Blanc uh, Sauvignon to our uh, to our list for ninety five dollars. Oh, right. Which okay. you know retail you will find that anywhere from. 100, 125. Before we wrap up, just tell us what you brought in today, please. Well, this you yeah, we bring uh, from our pastry chef, uh, mm. Nicolas Pine. Uh, so we have a uh, coffee, hazelnut, and then the apple. You have apple compote inside, um, and then uh, hazelnut uh, chocolate uh, cookie inside. Mm. And this gorgeous. And then we're going to be uh, doing a... Um, a James Beard event with a couple Virginia chef and uh, Ooh, Cédric Montpellier uh, in April second. Uh, Wait, you're going to do a James Beard event here or at, up at the house? Oh, fabulous! And uh, you know, we w- my goal is to kind of support more and more uh, the James Beard and school because we're losing all our uh, school, local school, right. culinary school, and you know, it's it's time to do something because we can talk about that off air. Because we met with CCAP last week, and they're doing amazing things. So we can talk about Perfect. that. Perfect. All okay. right. Let's tell everybody where 2941 is. So it's 2941. It's in uh, Falls Church, uh, Virginia. Uh, we located uh, very close to uh, Maryfield, Tyson Corner. Right in front of Raytheon headquarters. And <laughs> we're going to be uh, we taking reservation for Valentine's. Make, get that reservation Easter in now. Easter and Mother's Day. Okay, great. Will you Thank be my you, Valentine? Yes. All right, let's okay. go back to to Michael. Michael, um, I mean, you've got a coffee program at, at at Blend 111 that is supposed to be spectacular. Tell us, how did you like 
become a psalm and then get into coffee and do all that. I mean, We're, I feel like I asked that at the beginning of the no, show. No, no, I want to hear the whole, but I want to hear about where the coffees come from. So, and, yeah, so I, I always was really interested in coffee. So probably about 15 years ago, built my own coffee roaster, a gas coffee roaster. to really one of those guys. Huh? He's one of those guys. I can't put and, in uh, a light bulb yeah, yeah. without <laughs> trouble. So we actually, inside the restaurant, we, we put I put in a coffee roaster. So mm. we roast our coffee weekly. We source it all from direct trade farmers. So we're getting a lot of our coffee from Peru and Honduras now through an importer that only does direct trade. Uh, 100% so did you organic. go to Honduras? Yeah, I was going to say. So you go to the importer does. So with the wine, I just don't have time yet to go to the to sure. meet with the uh, same level that I do with the winers. But yeah, mm-hmm. eventually I'd love to to do that as well. We have a place for you to stay in. <laughs> um, no, that's Nicaragua. Oh right, that's Nicaragua. <laughs> oh well. Oh well, I want to go there too. Uh, anyway, so tell us about your red wine program. Yeah, so we're really proud of the red wine program. Uh, pairs really well with some of our fillets, and we do an arroz negro with shrimp, uh, which is amazing with some of our red wines. So mm-hmm. Priorat is a real popular wine that we have, a beautiful Priorat, first organic producer in Priorat from 1997. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mas we have his wine uh, on our program. Beautiful uh, Burgundy uh, from Sauvigny-les-Bons, uh, Pinot Noir, which is just amazing. Mm-hmm. You could drink it all day long. So yeah, the red wines, especially this time of year, red right, wines are super more people want popular. red wines. And then how do you feel? I know you didn't bring in any, but like as we go into the warmer months, where are you on like rosé and things of that nature? Yeah, so we have like four rosés now on the program, something, two from uh, uh, Provence, which are amazing. We also have a, um, uh, a Rhone, Cote de Rhone uh, mm-hmm. rosé, which is really nice. Uh, and we have a Malbec-centric uh, rosé, which is hmm. really dark and tannic, which is really interesting. So the full spectrum of... But it's too early to talk about that now. And do you guys do uh, wine dinners? Like, what? How do you? Yeah, we engage did actually with your last guests? last night. We did a farm to fork tasting dinner, uh, kind of a progressive dinner with another restaurant in Vienna, where you started there and, and came. To what us. was the other restaurant? Uh, Caboose Tavern. Oh, fabulous! So they do their own beer, very right. much like yeah, us. Right? Yeah, we've had them in studio. Yep. Yeah. We know them. Um, so we're doing uh, Valentine's Day, kind of a five course Valentine's Day every day. We have an early bird dinner that we do at thirty nine dollars, includes wine and three course kind of tasting tapas. Who stuff. is your chef? Uh, Joshua Dixon. Okay. Yeah, he's And incredible. what was it that you wanted him, like what kind of food are we looking at? What did so you want him to do? So it's mostly Latin European. Okay. So a lot of influences from Venezuela, Colombia, France, Spain, and then our pastry chef is from Normandy, France, so she just does amazing desserts for us as well. Mm-hmm. You're like the United Nations of I food. I know, no kidding. It's, you know, it's kind of like a blend. Oh. 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 <laughs> hey, I'm the comedian here, Michael. <laughs> Um, but what's interesting to me is that you roast your own coffee, but there's no morning program. It's just for dinner and brunch. Yeah. So really it's quite an investment. It sure is. But I really enjoy doing it. Okay. Just for coffee. It's definitely not financially smart, but I really enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to say that, but I was just sort of curious. Neither neither would be taking us to France or Spain, but I know you want to do it. So (laughs) go right ahead. All right. So let's tell everybody where Blend 111 is. And where you are on the web. Yeah, mm-hmm. so our website is uh, blend111.com. We're located right in uh, downtown historic Vienna at 111 Church Street, Northwest. Excellent. Awesome. Great. Thank All you right. so much. And do you have any, like, I, I know you have Valentine's Day, but is there any more of these dinners or anything else coming up that we should know about? Uh, not scheduled yet, but we have all of our events on our website. We have live music every Thursday, so just check us out on the web for all of our events. Excellent. All right, great. Thank oh, you I'll bring so my much. band. Okay. okay. So everything you heard about on the show today, from Aussie Beef and Lamb to 2941 to Joe Theismann's to Blend 111 and more, you can find out absolutely everything on Nikki's website, thelistareyouonit.com. Shameless plug. It's not uh, shameless. 
It's, I'm really it's, not, and actually, I'm not that ashamed. I'm happy uh-huh. to do it. Uh-huh. Uh, follow her on Instagram. Follow her on WTOP. Uh, and that's all I got. All right, let me take over. You take okay, over. Okay, so I want to thank all of our guests for coming in studio today. This really was sort of a tour around the world from Italy to France to Australia and even here in America. And we were really able to talk about the way people are eating all across, uh, not just the D.C. area, but nationally and internationally. Uh, and drinking as well, although today it was kind of relegated to French and uh, Spanish wines. Uh, but I got a California in there, too, thanks to Chef Bertrand. Uh, so next week we're out of town because we'll be in San Francisco, but the following week we'll be back. And uh, as usual, we'll have an incredible segment. We've got the team from Farmers Distillers coming in. They have some new products that they are doing that they cannot wait to share with us. And uh, before we wrap up the show, I just want to remind everybody, I am live tomorrow at 5 p.m. on Industry Night on FullServiceRadio.org. Follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And tune in here every Sunday live at 11 a.m. Except next Sunday. Except for next Sunday. Foodie and the Beast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a delicious week. (laughs) 